Welcome, welcome. Welcome to the Socially <laughs> Sensitive Podcast. This is episode 249. I am joined today by a very special guest, Trinity. <laughs> she, Hello. She is my daughter. She is a sophomore in, uh, at university right now. And uh, we were going to talk about, I guess, how things have changed. We're, we're, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Gen X. She's a Gen Z. And uh, there, there's always that little battle between the Gen X and the Gen Z. But uh, as far as how, I guess, the job market and the idea of the job market and uh, um, what it means to be successful, uh, just the, the whole working environment and economy how everything has changed, especially in the last 10 years. There's been a lot of things that's changed. Um, but we're going to jump in and talk a little bit about, I guess, defining what we each consider success. And uh, hopefully her, a lot of her opinions match some of mine since <laughs> I, I, I raised her to. Uh, but she is a free-thinking person, so um, she has her own opinions, but we'll We'll see how uh, how she views the world, but you know, because the the world is constantly changing. Because I know, growing up, we always viewed you know what the being successful. Me as a young kid, looking up to what you'd see adults, it's like okay, you get a good job, you buy a house, and you raise a family and make lots of money. That's <laughs> what we always viewed success as, and. Uh, I feel like as a kid, that always, like, I feel like as a kid, no matter what generation, that's typically the idea of success when you're little. You make money, you go to work, you have a family. Like, that, because that's right. the environment you grew up in. So it doesn't matter how bad it is. You view that as, oh, they're successful. Right. Well, that's what I always talk about, you know, Burt Kreischer. <clears throat> he always talks about his father growing up, what he told him. Um, what it meant to be a, a successful man. What a man does is you, uh, you grow up, you get a job. He said your main job is you eat crap and cash checks. That's your main job as a man is you do whatever it takes, whatever, if it's a horrible job, if it's something you hate to do, no matter what it is you do, you make as much money as you need to raise your family the best you can. Um, and your happiness and your wants and desires and your your passions for life play no part in it is how he was taught growing up. So when he became a stand-up comedian, which is kind of out of the box compared to, I guess, what his dad viewed, um, he didn't view that as a, more like that's a side hobby. It's definitely not. A nine to five. <laughs> right. You know, he's more my age. He's a little younger than I am. So he's Bert. So his dad is like my parents age. And I know they definitely were that way. You, you get a good stable job, you buy a house, you raise a family. That's how do how do you think that's not, I don't want to say the goal has changed because. I feel like uh, the end goal is still the same. It's just going about it is very different because there's so many different options now. Yeah, I mean, because I feel like for most people, not everybody, because, but I feel like for most people, everybody still wants that success and that freedom of buying a house and kind of doing what they want, but it's more of 
you don't have to have a nine to five. You don't have to go to college to get that. You can do it through social media. You can do it through photography or a side hustle that like develops into a full-time job. Whereas, oh, you were selling a t-shirt on Etsy. Well, now you have a company that you have 100, 200 employees that are helping you make t-shirts. So I feel like it's the internet created more opportunities that are less nine to five jobs. And so it's more of the idea of you can kind of do what you want because there's a lot more freedom and a lot more opportunity to make money off of what you like. Definitely. Yeah. The internet opened up so many possibilities. I mean, especially if you're getting into retail and selling products, but as far as the, the success, um, you as a, which we, we've talked about this a lot before, and I think we've talked on the, on the podcast back once before, about you as a young woman, um, do you think society, you know, because they always say men and women have different goals in life. You know, if we're saying, you know, a man's is to get a good job, buy a house, and raise a family, marry, have a, find a wife, have lots of kids, and, and raise a, a, a family. And I know a lot of women say that society puts a lot of pressure on you that being, whether it's a stay-at-home mom or just a mother in general, is kind of secondary to everything else in your life. I mean, do you feel that there's a pressure for that or do you? I don't know. For for me, but that, I don't know. I would say I'm not of the majority for kids my age, especially girls my age. So that's... I'm definitely in in the minority when I say this, Um, but for me, I don't know. When I think of success, I do think more of the family aspect, but that's because of what my morals are and what's important to me. I also, there's a lot of women that are like, all they want is a family. They don't want to work, and there's nothing wrong with that, but that's not what I want either. You know, that happy medium is what I feel like most women strive for. Some women are like, no, absolutely no kids. But I feel like there is more pressure to do both now of a, well, you're able to work, so you need to do that. But most women, because genetically, we're made to have children. Like, that's just in us. And so it's like, oh, but you want to have kids. So it's like, okay, well, am I going to take a break from working? Am I going to continue to work right after? There's a lot to figure out, and it's a lot more stressful. Whereas the guy... Physically, it's like, he might lose some sleep. (laughs) So, I don't know. I feel like for that part, it's just kind of like, there's more pressure on, like, doing it all. But for me, I don't know. That's not... Right, but you... I don't know. Let's say you... um, Let's say you're a young, upcoming woman, and, you know, you're in your late 20s, early 30s, and you land this amazing CEO job for this corporation making tons of money. But want, and you want to have children, at that level, if you're, you know, at that level of income, it's possible for you to take almost, I, I don't want to say as much, because like <laughs> you said, the man is kind of, he's not participating as much as the woman is, because she's giving birth. Yeah. But um, a lot of women now work all the way, almost all the way up to, especially depending on what type of, if you're not in a really, really physical job. And it depends on the type of pregnancy right. and stuff, yeah. Um, that it's possible to work way up 
into your to your due date. Have your child take your two, three weeks, four weeks, and right back into the grind. It's possible. And there's a lot of men that that take a, a short maternity or paternity leave that length of time. That is too. becoming more common. And uh, so then they're both out of the workforce for the about the same amount of time, or it's possible for them both to be out. I know a lot of families too that like, especially companies that like allow paternity leave, will wind it up so that the paternity leaves after the maternity after the mother's ends. That way, there's a like longer. Uh, yeah. Time with the baby, it's really hard to get a baby into daycare. Like right, well, I was talking. If you're if you're, you've got a live-in nanny, you've got you know you, somebody else is raising your child, so it's possible for them to what they think is have it all. But do you think they're actually having it all when somebody else is raising your child, and she's still working like the man, and they're both putting in the sixty, eighty hours a week, you know, climb that corporate ladder, that they're she feels she has to do that to keep to have that success that she wants, but she thinks she's having the the whole total package by having a child also. But is she? I mean, are you actually having a child, and raising a family? I don't think so. I don't know. For as far as success goes, success is different to everybody. Like your definition is going to be different than everybody else. Because right. I'm not going to go be some high powered CEO. More than likely, that's just not what I want. That's Right. So, I mean, somebody who's striving for that, their success looks very different than mine. So, like, if that's their goal and that's what success looks like to them is being a CEO of this major company, then work for that. Like, that's fine. But, I don't know, there are lots of factors. And so I think I think society does kind of put the pressure on sometimes to have kids and Sometimes even, like, depending on what the job is, like, you have PR people and stuff putting on the pressure of, oh, but right. you need to have the full package. Be a mom or, you know, whatever. Which we've brought that up before, too, you know, what, when we say that, like, society expects this and, and people expect yeah. this and, and the world expects this. But also, if you're a top CEO, who cares? Right. Well, in, Do you? in general. Well, that, too. Who cares? Because when we say society, who is that? I mean, who is putting the pressure on you to do anything you don't want to do outside? Well, of? when I said that, though, my point was more of if you're just like a bum that sits on your couch, not that you should have a, a kid because that will make your situation right. worse. But like then you can just go when somebody says something to you about your situation, you don't have very much of a comeback. Whereas if you're a high powered CEO, you can be like, well, look where I am. You have no right. reason to give advice. Right, <laughs> that was let, more of my statement. Let's say you're... Um, you marry a man who makes a good living. The two of you decide that, that you want to be stay at home. He's going to support as financially the outside income. And you're going to support everything internally as far as raising the children, keeping the family kind of centered. Where would any negative outside pressure come from? Like I said, we always hear people say, well, society will look down on you and these people yeah. will look who are these people? You know, but people use that all the time when they talk about anything. Well, people say this or people say this. And it's like, who are these people? And why do you care what their opinions are of you and what you're doing? If this is genuine, if that's something you genuinely wanted to do and financially you all can do that and raise nobody else out there that's not like 
your family and friends, I would think, would even matter their opinion. I don't know. I think that's part of the internet, though. Is because yes, you look at it like that, and we've had this conversation right. a million times that most people don't look at it like that because, especially depending on your status or or your age, your age. I don't know. The older I get, the less I care. Right. Um, but a lot of people, even like teachers and stuff, that I don't see anymore. But like, I wouldn't want to. I don't know. I wouldn't want to disappoint them. And so social media makes them be able to have access to all of that information really quickly, too. Not that what you're saying would make them right, disappointed, but, but, like, because of social media, everybody gets to put their input in. And so whether you tell yourself, I can tell myself I don't care, but if you, like, you're going to see comments and stuff more than likely, especially if your life is very public. And so then it's like, okay, but and then you see it and you read it, and then it's in your head and you think about it. Right. So it's more of unconscious thing that it's there and it's in your head than a knowing, oh, well, this person upset me. Right. I just know, like, the older I get, the more I view, I guess, things, how, how much little impact other opinions like that have. I mean, if you, if it's something you want to do, if, if you decide, like I said, if you decide you want to have family, or if you decide, I don't want to have a family, um, what, whatever your decision is. But to me, I view life, for, and this is for the vast majority of people, the impact that you're going to make on this planet is through your children, period. I would agree. Now, there's a lot of people, Elon Musk, well. like that, that make an impact on the planet. But for the vast majority of people who get a job, go through the motions every day to live in a nice house, drive a nice car, wear nice clothes, go to nice restaurants. They lather, rinse, and repeat, and then they grow older every day. Just It's kind of like you're going through lather, rinse, and repeat until you die. And what impact did you make? I mean, I, I used to always talk about, you know, what I worked in grocery stores and stuff like that, that... I always felt our jobs were meaningless. They're they're fulfilling a service because people needed to eat. We we were providing a good customer service and and providing food for people to come in and grocery shop and back when I worked retail then. But I always felt that what the impact you're actually making day to day is nothing because they're eating. Yeah, but a week from now that meant nothing. It's just sustaining them until they die. I feel like for your job, I don't know, it was more about the small interactions that you have with people. Right, yeah. Because there was a lot of power that you have within the small interactions that you have with people while doing your job. Whether they were good or bad, there was a lot of power within that. Yeah. So, I, I mean, mean, you have to look at the little stuff of that, too. But does that have to be a part of your job, or should that just be a part of your everyday life all the time? Well, it's anyway. not necessarily part of your job. I just meant for you it was part oh, of right. your job. Yeah. No, it's not necessarily. It's just I happen to be, yeah, in a job dealing with the public, so you're yeah. interacting with them. But, yeah, I mean, that's to me, that's the impact you're going to make is. Through other people. Through other people, conversations with friends and family, and I don't know. I, it's like we hear... You know, I watch a lot of those YouTube videos with Pearlie. I like a lot of hers, which I know a lot of people don't like her right now because she's, she's so, uh, in my mind, logical. Which I haven't actually seen 
hardly any of her stuff. Uh, I've seen um, a picture of her. That's about it. Yeah. So, But she talks a, a lot of personal responsibility. Women, you know, should be responsible for their actions and what they're doing. And she talks a lot about relationships between men and women. And she's really anti I'm not saying she's anti-feminism, but well, she kind of is. She, well, she she thinks it's an even. She thinks it's a pretty much even playing field. What we have right now across the board for everybody. Everybody has opportunities, and you're going to have way more opportunities if you have money than whether you're male or female. That she thinks economics determines a lot more opportunities than than gender. I completely agree with that. And uh, she talks a lot about women feminists like to use an excuse. That the system uh, the is holding me back. It's I don't have opportunities. I can't do this, and they like to find excuses. and And she always calls them out when she because she does a lot of one on two, one on three conversations with. They just do sit down podcasts. Mm-hmm. They do video, audio, everything. But and she'll that's the question. Is she's like, who are these people? You know, who is telling you? That you can't do this. Who's holding you back? What what law or rule or, or what is preventing you from doing something you want to do? Other than you saying they're doing, they're yeah. causing it. I would say when I was your age, I think it's a little different back then. You know, so that would have been the mid-80s. Things were a lot different back then as far as male, female, and opportunities. And you, there were still, women were still making huge strides. But there was a little bit, um, there were a lot more barriers. I'd agree with that. Um, I just don't know if you think you see a lot of barriers out there, or is everything you, what you hear from social media and TV and the news and TV shows? And I mean, there's certain things that I've experienced and been told, and but mo- none of it's ever been like, oh, you can't do that. It's just... Uh, well, you might have to work harder to get there. Right. Especially when I was at a event for upcoming um, sports, for sports careers. And that's what I remember one of the guys talked over me. And that's what the lady that we were talking to looks at me and goes, you better just learn to keep on talking because that's going to happen for the rest of your career. Right. But is that not something if if he's going to talk over you, he's probably going to talk over anybody because there's a lot of people that are just Maybe. That, that alpha. They're going to steamroll everybody. If you're going to be at the top in this cat in this field when you're dealing with, I mean, sports is a ton of alphas. Oh, it is. So and you're going I'm to. I'm not denying to, that. Yeah, you're going to have to rise with them. You can't go in there real timid. Oh, no. um, but I didn't know. Would, was that more of because a, a female I, thing or because this is you just need to be. This she was position. saying it to me as a men are going to walk, try and walk all over you. So. And I've had men walk up to me in situations about sports, especially because right. men assume that women know nothing about sports, which whatever. They assume I'm dumb. And then I open my mouth, know what I'm talking about. And they'll either want to make comments about it or don't trust what I'm saying. Right. I just kind of overlook it because I can very easily prove that I deserve to be there. Right. And so for me, it's just kind of like a, you'll figure it out on your own. Yeah. So. So, I mean, you're not putting, you're not taking it like you, you've got a, a chip on your shoulder or something that you need to. Uh, no. Prove yourself. It's a, It's more of, sometimes it's an, 
something n- nuisance. It's just it's annoying sometimes. Right. But it's never been a. I feel like I can't move up the ladder, or if you right, want to call okay. it that, or like it's my be more someone in charge of me treats me differently. One on one issue. Yeah. It's not going to be here's this system that's holding me back, or I've had that same thing happen. You know, people treat me a certain way. They expect me to be that I don't understand things that, you know, I've talked to, we'll start talking about things to people, whether it's about technology or other things. And I like to think I have a pretty good understanding of a lot of things, but they immediately (laughs) treat me like I'm an idiot because of how I look. I mean, I look like a a Southern redneck, long hair. That is not how I would describe you, but um, how would you describe me? I would describe you more of a hippie looking. Oh, Okay. Yeah, I would say I've had more issues with people, though, like with what I was talking about, because of where I'm from than I ever have. The second I tell someone where I'm from, instant disregard or a hundred questions about if like if I'm wearing shoes and stuff. And so I, I deal with that a lot more than I've ever dealt with issues because of my gender. Right. And that actually makes me angrier than somebody questioning me over my gender. And I don't know if it's just because it happens more or we never did define de- de- define success. Our, our well, own personal. Our own personal. If you I, want I mean, to do I guess, that. I, like I said, I think your my success in life is to raise good, strong children to be good, strong adults who are going to benefit society. Me, I think that's my whole goal in life. Other than that, it's just waiting till I die. That's so morbid. But I mean, all the other is kind of just incidentals. As long as you're raising good people, um, you're producing good human beings. I feel like um, that end goal wise, that is definitely probably my biggest. I mean, I have a couple in betweens, but right. And not everybody has children. I'm not saying you have to have children because then you can be making a bigger impact on, like you said, on other people. Yeah. Your one-to-ones with other people, whether it's through church or through your work or through just your friends. You can be involved in so many things in life um, where you're impact, where you can impact people. The problem is most people don't want to impact anything other than their home life. They they want to go to work. I mean, we've talked a thousand times on the podcast before about the quiet quitting and, you know, the, all of those different things. Because the big push over the last year has been you should be going to work and giving the barest minimum that you can possibly get away with without getting fired because that's all your the company is paying you for. That if you give any more than that, you're just helping out the the man, the corporation. The See, I- and that is exactly why me and Damien, every single one of our bosses has loved us. Right. It's because we were taught how important a good work ethic is. It's because that's not how we were raised. Right. You do a good job for a good job's sake. They push more. And their claim is because if you work harder and you go above and beyond, they're not going to reward you. They think the corporation then is just taking advantage of you. And then you're just putting more profits into their pocket without benefiting you. And and that's not true. No. I mean, I think... 
that's how you get raises right. and promotions and you have to do something to deserve that and earn it. To me, I think a lot of that is I don't follow Burt Kreischer's dad's oh, motto no. of suffering through a job that you hate just because now if you've gone years and years through this and you're in a situation where you have to have this kind of income now because of whatever. You can't just up and one day go, nope, I decide I'm going to want to go do this for a tenth of the money. But you should set yourself up to begin with to be able to go into something that you like. Which exactly. not everybody has that option to begin with. Right. But make a plan on how to do it. Whether it's, okay, well, I'm going to work here for four years while I'm going to school part-time or while I'm working on this, what I want to do, building that up, if right. it doesn't require school. Because a lot of things don't require school anymore, which is right. awesome. Talking about the success, if you are viewing why a lot of people end up in a situation where they are trapped in this job that maybe they hate because of the money, most of it was probably because they were trying to fulfill their happiness through things. They thought, well, if I... I take this job making this amount of money, I can buy this kind of car, I can have this size house, when that stuff isn't what's going to actually make you happy. It's not going to be the success. It's not going to be the fulfilling things in your life. See, that's the one thing. You know, most people, when you think success, you think, oh, well, they're rich. Right. They're successful, they're rich. I don't know, even as a kid, that was never... Money went along with it because you have to have money to do these things. Right. But my brain didn't go, oh, they're rich. My brain went, oh, they're traveling. Like, right. or they're doing That's stuff. Doing. It was it was never about like, oh, they have things. It wasn't, oh, they have a really nice house. They have a really, I mean, sometimes the house goes with it. But like, it was always like, they're getting to like, go to Europe or Mexico or, you know, they're, they're getting all these experiences. Because to me, that... That's what makes, to me, that I'm successful. If I've given my children, not necessarily out of the country, like, but if I've given them good experiences that have grown them as human beings, that is more valuable than any object you can put in their hand. Right. Because that's going to teach them so much more about life, who they are, and what's important than anything else. If, if they're affording it and they're doing something they love, then that's perfect problem is most of them can't afford it they're still doing it and then they're stuck in a job that they don't like. they don't like yeah. because the vast majority of the population of this country spends more every year than they make i think that is me and damien should do an episode on finances yeah i think that's what needs to happen finances from a 19 to 21 year old because that, that's just live with your parents solves yeah. everything <laughs> solves everything that's a huge part of it but you should no because i mean i laugh but like i remember when i was like 16 i was like there's no chance i would ever live with my parents you could not convince me i'm going to college absolutely not i don't know why i love it here but but my thought process was I'm leaving. I'm, you know, I'm out. Well, you I'm, were, I you wanted, were young. Well, I was young, but I wanted that. The grass is always greener. You're looking well, at these cities and these other areas. And and I wanted that, um, I don't know, I wanted my independence, yeah. which I have. You all, kind, you all give us that, too, which helps. Because if you all were like some parents, 
that you were like, okay, but you still have to be, which I don't go anywhere, but like, <laughs> I don't go anywhere. I don't leave the house. But like, you know, if you treated me like I was still 15, that'd be different too. Right. Which I'm not sure you ever treated me like a 15 year old, but. Even when you were 15. Yeah. But it saves so much money. I'm in school full time, but I'm also working full time. But I have like zero bills except for school. And so, and so you're setting yourself I'm up. I'm saving so much money. To get into a position. I'm going to be, at the end of when I graduate, I'm going to be set financially for a really good start going in to the workforce. Right. As with whatever my future career ends up being, because I have savings to whether I need to relocate or whatever that ends up being. I'm financially set to do whatever that next life step is. Don't hate on living with your parents. Yeah, because you'll be... Because you will laugh at it, but it makes a huge difference. And honestly, I think the college experience, though, like, living on campus was great. So I think the experience is important. But financially, if you can't afford it, don't do it. Because you're getting just as good of an education for half the price. I also wanted to tell everyone about a new coffee brand called Coffee Brand Coffee. It's fresh roasted to order using only the highest quality coffee sourced direct from farms around the world. Coffee Brand Coffee was built by creating direct trade partnerships with many coffee producers that use sustainable coffee growing standards. We feel that this uh, dedication to quality should be obvious when you have uh, Coffee Brand Coffee in your cup. And uh, there are nearly 20 new flavors and the uh, upcoming tea line. And uh, they even have hot cocoa, too. So check them out at coffeebrandcoffee.com and use the coupon code SENSITIVE for an additional 5% off. So give them a try. So we've determined that success doesn't have anything to do with money. Um, (laughs) It meant when I was growing up, you had steady income, the ability to provide for yourself and your family. That was what... I viewed as success growing up. That's what I was taught. I think society, like we've gone back and forth, society wants to push one thing. But I think most people still want independence. And I would still argue that, like, for me at least, some success comes not from money, but, like, what money can give you, if that makes sense. Just, like, I would agree. Money does buy happiness. I'm not saying that. Right. But it's just, like, money does open doors to opportunities. And just experiences, like I was talking about traveling and stuff. So, like, to me, like I said, that's really important to me. Like, I don't really care about having, like, a really nice house or really nice cars or anything. So that could, like, lack for me if I'm. that means I get to travel. But you still have to have some finances to right. go along with the travel. Well, I mean, it depends on how you want to travel. I mean, if you want to live the van life and travel, if you that's want true. to fly to Aspen uh, once a month with your family, that's a different <laughs> financial. But Wolfie I wanted to I, live the van life. Mommy told me no. Wolfie and I have had this conversation a lot before, and we—I mean—we've talked about it. But you know, I've always said you should picture your perfect day. You know, your perfect twenty-four hours from the moment you wake up, where you wake up, how you wake up, what do you want to have to do when you wake up, how does your day flow, and how does your day end. Don't worry about any money. Don't worry about anything in life. What is your perfect day? And it could be anything from I wake up when the sun rises in a cabin on the mountain 
overlooking a beautiful Montana scenery. And I have a nice cup of coffee and I sit on my porch and I go mess in my garden and I feed a few animals and then, you know, I enjoy my day and then I go to bed early. That could be your perfect day. I think you just described Damien's perfect <laughs> life, minus the coffee. Right. Surviving that or financing that day is a whole lot different than financing if, let's say, your perfect day involves, okay, I wake up in the morning in my mansion overlooking Pacific Ocean. In You're in California. You're overlooking the ocean. You've got your automated shades go up. Your live-in chef cooks your breakfast. You go down and you jump in your car, you go to the spa, you go do whatever. You you make a few phone calls, you're, however, you're, that's a completely different finance. To finance that lifestyle and to finance the other lifestyles, two completely different things. But once you decide, because like when we were talking with Wolfie about it, he said that the, like, the living in a high rise, you know, because it said maybe for you it's living in a penthouse high rise in Manhattan, overlooking Central Park. You go down to your local little diner and you, you know, work in an office across town and, you know, this is your job. And to him, he said that sounded like the most miserable life in the world. <laughs> and some people love it. Right. But once you find out what is your perfect day, then decide, okay, now how much does that cost to live that day? And then that's what you're going to strive to is to fulfill that life. And it's not just today. Okay, you're going to repeat that lot, that day. And then now you're going to bring other people into your day. Because if you're living solo in the mountains in Montana, how you affect other people, whether it's a spouse and your children, that's an impact on them too. Like we had the, the traditional definition of family here has definitely shifted. That's, um, yeah. So how you're impacting that family has to be a part of your decisions, too. Because if not, some people view it as, well, this is the life I'm living. Everybody else in my life, whether it's my spouse and my children, they're just along for the ride. And I don't think you should look at it that way either. I No. I think it should all be a group thing that now you, you're, you're leading your family. I mean, if not, then your children end up, like you were saying, at 16, look waiting can't wait to get out because well in no fewer words you didn't know any better you thought that was what you wanted yeah you know sometimes people think there are things that they want and then they go experience it and they're like that's not what i thought it was gonna be i think that sums up college <laughs> i mean <laughs> trying things and going yeah no that's not what i thought it was yeah things are definitely different and with the opportunities you have now like you as a, as a almost 20 year old compared to when I was 20 years old we have very different mindsets right but i mean the, the opportunity to to make an income when i was 20 that was late 80s you pretty much if you you either went to work for a corporation or you learned a trade or if you were a doctor or a lawyer those fields you're either in a, a specific field or you work for a corporation. Um, and then you have this, the some people who are like, I'm going to be in a rock band. And then the some people who are, I'm going to be an actor. You go, go to, to New York go to or New York Los or, Angeles. Right. That's your one in a billion or one in a million at least. Um, and then they end up being waiters. Right. Or whatever. Whatever. Or they end up being an actor. And Because it could happen. 
but the opportunities that was kind of the only I'm thinking outside of the box. Uh, most jobs were like bar crash. That's it. You go to work for a corporation. You get a job working for them, and you eat crap and cash checks. That's your job. That's Whereas your now day. it's a really big box. The right. box grew. <laughs> I mean, because the the side hustles. Most people nowadays have a side hustle. I mean, a lot of people have their job, and then people do things on the side. Now, a lot of people do it because they just need the extra income. But a lot of people are like, okay, we've been living this life to this point, doing something I hate. I'm going to do a side hustle until I can grow that big enough to support and replace my main income. Well, um, our neighbor just did that yeah. not too long ago that I think she was working at the hospital yeah, so. as doing something. And that's what she just opened a pet grooming shop that she had been running out of her house. Now she has like a full shop downtown. Yeah. And doing great. Yeah. She has a lot of business. And that's doing something that, yeah, that jumping into converting that side hustle into here's now, now it's my main income. Actually, we know a couple of people that have managed to do that recently. And I think my, my personal opinion is I think when you're my age, the corporation jobs won't really even exist anymore. I disagree. Okay, give me an example well, of a job that you think will still be around. 35 years from now when you're my age. See, I said I disagree, but then I looked. See, I said I disagree because I was like, I think there will definitely be people still doing those jobs, like as in there will be people needing those jobs. There will definitely be people needing those jobs. But then I realized you meant because computers will be doing those jobs. Right. I think. And I was like, oh, maybe not. AI is going to replace a lot. Automation is going to replace a lot. In like grocery stores and stuff, they're just going to have like, bought stocking probably they might need stalkers still yeah but like they're not gonna have cash register like cashiers yeah normal cashiers won't be a thing i can um, i can easily picture 35 years from now but that every item if and that's assuming that economic system of the united states is still intact operating the way it is now um and it it, it more than likely will be but let's say retail I could imagine um, we're going to use it in today's terms because that's all we know. We don't know the the hardware and the software they'll be using 35 years from now. Yeah. If we did, we'd be pushing We'd be it. making a whole lot of money. But the idea of using like RFID, where we talked about RFID chips earlier today. Yeah. Every item has RFID. So Can you, you imagine could, your cereal having... <laughs> that's, that's just odd. All it... All it Walmart really pushed this back in the early 2000s to have all their suppliers have every product. All the manufacturers have everything RFID tagged. And a lot of companies started getting into it. And they they set some deadlines. Um, Most of the only big ones that they set at first were like electronics, things like that, that they wanted them tagged in the product. And they were actually working it into the manufacturer process of it. So if you bought a TV, the RFID chip was embedded in the inside the TV when you purchased it. Hmm. It would be easy making it in a shampoo bottle or in the cardboard on a box of um, cereal. And the, the cost is fractions of pennies for chips. And the idea behind it would be as you go in, you pick up your items and you leave. And that's assuming that you still go get your stuff 
that it's not you place an order online and it just shows up, which I'm, is probably where it's more heading. I'm telling you right now, if we don't have in-person like clothing stores, yeah. I'm going to be a grumpy <laughs> old lady. Like I'm going to be a grumpy 50-year-old if we don't have in-person clothing stores. I do not like ordering clothes online. You, so imagine, like I said, 30 years from now when you're closer to my age, the metaverse has transformed as much as AOL did into the internet we have today where everything is in your phone or wireless internets, you know, is everywhere. I mean, you can access anything. You have chat GPT is going to replace everything. Um, Yeah, a bad thing. I don't know. Um, You like it. I like it, but... I I think it's a bad thing. In the long run, it's going to be a bad thing. Just because it's going to take away so many jobs. All that's going to, I mean, it's impacting a lot of areas. Any Anything, there's uh, one example I found. There's already an organization called Do Not Pay. It's using chat GPT to defend people in court on speeding fines already. Replacing okay. the need for uh, legal counsel. They have probably one overall that underwrites, oversees everything. And then it handles all of the paralegal type work. Hmm. There's Jaunt's AI, which they offer unlimited free AI copywriting. Right now, as far as text-based, it's limitless. Microsoft's so big into it, they, they've already sunk $10 billion into it. That's insane. It's in the AOL version of AI. Which is scary. Right. So... Thinking of where it could be in 30 years. Yeah. Tesla and Elon Musk has their robot, their AI robot that they're building. It's going to take over the world. And it's it's actually going to have human form. It'll do repetitive. I think at first it'll be set up to do repetitive physical tasks. I mean, they use a ton of automation now, whether it's built in building cars and moving something that's really repetitive the exact same with really precision you're moving this item to here and assembling this but then you're talking about a millions of dollars worth of machinery to do this one task that can be done by hand by a human not as exact and not as you know cheap overall when you can then build the robot that can switch between tasks then you're not limited to this one big physical machine that does this one task. The human form robot, he can shift from this job to this job to this job to this job. Uh, imagine a, a waiter or a waitress in a restaurant. And, and we're still looking at it as if people are going to be going in sitting down. like the, I mean, they probably will in a restaurant like that for that type of experience. I mean, I don't know how that'll change. Take McDonald's as a whole. It can, uh, we've already got the order process eliminated. You can place the order and pay without a human involved. Yeah. Production is still human. They still cook the food. A lot of it's automated in the processes they use as to how they cook. But it's still, there's so many variables as to you're fixing this one, you're fixing this, you're fixing this. It doesn't make sense to have one machine that just flips hamburgers or one machine that just which they do have the automated fry thing it auto dispenses it into the basket it lowers it into the fry vat times it pulls it out dumps it Hmm. all that's automated 
the cooking part and the assembly of the sandwiches part, all that's still human. Because, I mean, you could build a robot to just cook burgers or just assemble sandwiches. It would be, it's not cost effective yet. No. But if you had a robot. That could do a bunch of things. That could do a bunch of those things. Then it would be replaced. And you know that that's what they're pushing for. That that's, that's where McDonald's wants to go. On the podcast the other day, Wolfie and I, our big conversation that we had going back and forth is, do we think automation will replace jobs? And I offered the question to him. Do you think that they should not do something when it comes to automation for the sole purpose of preserving the, the human job? If it's going to be safer or cheaper or, you know, just more cost effective to do it automated. And like one of the examples we used was, you know, 50 years ago, if you want, or let's say 80 years ago, you want to dig a ditch, you hired you a, know, bunch of people. a bunch of people to, with shovels and they dug it. And then we got into more equipment and backhoes and it just sped up that process. So like the invention of that piece of machinery put a lot of people out of work or shifted a lot of people into yeah. other jobs. Do you think the sake, because, you know, the example everybody always uses now is Walmart and, or any retailer with self-checkouts. And they're opposed to it because they always say, well, they're putting people out of job. Their sole reason for not wanting to do it is if they're going to put them out of job. Or are they thinking, I don't want to do it. <laughs> I mean, because right now you still have the option to go through a, a, real, a real line. yeah. And and a lot of people still do. And they'll, or at least for a really long time, always have at least one for the cigarettes and the yeah, all of that. That type thing. I, I mean, do you think that they should say, just to preserve those jobs? I don't think so. Partly, which I say this with the assumption that for hundreds of years, we've invented new things such as the printing press and the, you know, all of these things that have made life a lot easier and safer and whatever, which has taken away jobs, but it's, they've always just shifted because people are still working. People are still doing things. But things weren't as advancing as quickly as they are now. So you could shift people into those other jobs. A lot of things are getting replaced so fast now. I don't know if the new jobs being created in other areas See, are being yeah. created as fast. Because as fast. that's what I was sitting here going, well, someone has to make the robots, but then they'll probably robots just have a robot can, make the robot. Right. And so then I was like, one, that's kind of scary. If you're having robots that can like act as humans being made by robots, that's kind of freaky. Yeah, when, when do they decide that they don't need us anymore? Yeah, that <laughs> like... Kind of joking, kind of not. Right. But, like, then it does come down to a, well, is the unemployment rate 50%? Because if you're not, eventually, if you have a robot that can do all of that, you're going to have a robot that can do surgery. Right. And so where do you get your livelihood from? Where do you, or do we just not work anymore? Right. Well, in the past, like, the examples we were using with the ditch digging and the a lot of the cashiers and repl a lot of those were always considered blue collar jobs That's in, true. in the past that automation was replacing. 
it never was replacing white-collar jobs. That's true, and this could replace a lot right of white-collar jobs, too. Right. Especially, like, chat GTP. We were talking about, like, lawyers and, right. like, they'll definitely make authors' jobs, I think, easier. Yeah, if they... If, if, they... if you use it correctly. I mean, I don't think you should go, hey, write me a book, but, like, probably could, but... Oh, yeah. There, it could take a lot of white-collar jobs away, too. And they're going to continue to find out ways to use it, too. Right. Because, like you said, this is just the beginning stages. So. Yeah, as it gets better each. I don't know. It's going to have. Our lives are going to either have to completely adjust or there are going to have to become these limitations of, oh, you can't do that. Because it will have too much of an impact on society. Because if not, then society is going to have to make a drastic change of oh, well, you're not working anymore because what what are you supposed to do? Every All the jobs are being done by robots. Right. I mean, like we were talking about gig work and uh, side hustles, and um, which I think COVID really pushed that along. That got people, <clears throat> it got people not working, staying at home, and uh, a lot of people, while they were having to stay quarantined at home or stay because they're, Wherever they worked was shut down. They were either remote, working remotely at home, or they were unemployed at home, making decent unemployment pay, and then the federal subsidy on top of it. For a lot of people, they were making more money a month than they were when they were working. And now they had all of this free time. So they were getting money from the government and had free time to get involved in a lot more side hustles that was more passion projects. And there are two types of people. (laughs) Right. The people that did absolutely nothing with that, and there's the people that decided to do something with that and try and start something, even if it didn't really go anywhere. Whether And it didn't necessarily have to be a business, because that's not everybody's thing, because running your own business is definitely not for the... Right. But in today's society, you can almost monetize anything. I'm just saying, even like even learning a new skill right. over COVID, learning to like knit or like cook. Yeah, there was a lot of that. my cousin learned how to cook over COVID. That was his big thing. He cooked all the time. Right. You can profit off of you can profit off of cooking, <laughs> but I feel like the biggest thing with COVID was that it put people at home, and it not only because even after things were starting to go kind of back to normal. A lot of jobs were still staying. They were like, it's so much cheaper to be remote. A lot of businesses were like, well, you just stay at your houses. We don't have to pay for a building or electricity. or We don't have to pay for any of that. So you just stay at your houses, and that takes care of it. And so then people are like, I'm staying at my house. I have so much more free time. Right. And so then that kind of pushed the side hustle thing, too, because they're like, well, I'm at my house anyway. And it's less structured of a nine-to-five sometimes. Well, and a lot of people, which a lot of the companies found that a lot of the workers weren't as productive, even though they were working remotely. They oh, that were, doesn't surprise me. They were getting enough done, but not as much. as much. And that's why a lot of them started shifting in the past, especially in the past month and a half, two months, were requiring, when Elon bought Twitter, that was a big push, that eliminating a lot of the remote work that uh, wanted people in the office a, a lot of uh, which a lot of those corporations shifted that you 
they're requiring now a minimum of like three days in the office. But um, when I, this is me personally, but because I understand for certain people, you know, if you're like disabled or if you have kids or something, remote working is like the best thing ever because it allows you to work while you can still kind of keep an eye on your kids, especially if they're older right. or something, especially for like summers and whatever. But like for me, I was dead set. I did not want a remote job. I was like, I'm doing school online. I need human interaction. Mm-hmm. I don't want an online remote job. Like, absolutely not. But as, as VR does get better, when you can... They better improve those headsets if I'm working right. through well, them. Well, <laughs> uh, imagine, imagine 30... I know. It, let's say you put a pair of glasses on like you have. See, I can't even picture putting glasses on and it working. Do you know how miraculous this no, phone no. is to me? I understand that, to, like, I can't even visualize the things that they're going to have when right. I'm your age, which is kind of insane. But imagine you put these glasses on. Now you're in this virtual world that's photorealistic, and you're interacting with other people, real people, that are in this metaverse, if you want to call it metaverse, because Facebook metaverse, but this VR world. So you're, you're actually having everything that you're, now you're not touching, but you're not going up touching people in Oh, no, I don't like being touched. Anyway, so for you, you're not noticing any real difference. You're still having a conversation, still sounds the same, looks the same. See, that's actually kind of scary, which I truly believe it can't happen. It's just scary. The idea of side hustles and me thinking you're not going to work for a corporation, that it'll be more like our work. It's all because most of our work is, I mean, we're subcontractors through hundreds of different companies that we do contractual work for all these other companies. So we're not employed by a company, but we do contract work for them. I think that's how most people will work definitely 30 years from now. I think probably within the next 10 years. I, I can think see the that. biggest majority of people will work that way because all of the other jobs that you would go, I'm going to work at Walmart, I'm going to work at, you know, McDonald's, going to work at... Don't um, exist anymore. I mean, I think a lot or of them are really if they do. limited. Five years ago, if you would have said, what is automation going to replace? I would think blue collar jobs a lot more. And if you would say in the next 10 years, if you'd asked five years ago, I'd say blue collar jobs will mostly be replaced. But because of a lot of this, I think so many more white collar jobs, programmers, designers, if you're an artist, it can write, it can design full website, layout write the code, it can do it all in seconds. Most coders now use it to find bugs in their code. Oh, dang. You can, uh, when you got stuff like Dolly, and Dolly is just, uh, I mean, it's only on Dolly 2 now. Imagine when it's Dolly 35, <laughs> and there's going to be a thousand other companies. That other, have versions uh, It's just that it. happens to be OpenAI is the company that created Dolly and ChatGPT. So, but there's... You know, Jasper. There's all kinds of companies that are working on the, the textual AI and the, the photo. It's just that right now, open AI is some of the top. But imagine five, ten years from when it's so much more advanced than it is now. I mean, because, like, if you're an artist, and a, a lot of people say, well, it, it can't create. Well, it can. I mean, it's going, it's basing it off of parameters. I don't know. I think there's power, though, in... Especially in art. I think there's power in human-created art. I'm not saying it's not as... Well, 
but I don't know, I think there's power in the passion of human art. Um, let's say if I just tell Jack, Chat GP, or let's say Dolly, to not give it any parameters, just say create an original piece of art. Um, it's not going to really do anything because it has no reference point based off of that command. When you create an original piece of art, you can, but you have a lot of reference points that's already in there Yeah. that it's drawing from. It would be like if, let's say, I told you as a blind person, blind since birth, to create, paint a picture of whatever. Without that visual representation, what are you going to be able to create? Fair. Yeah, so, it's going to be a lot harder. So if your your entire life is what le- every decision, every action, every experience you've had in life has led you to the moment in time you are right now, that'll determine if you go to write a paper, how you take the paper, your thoughts, your opinions, your beliefs, everything's going to be in that. So you have all those parameters. So for you to create something, an original story or make something, you're taking all of this other prior information and funneling it into that it can do that it just needs all the other experiences and that's what it's getting right now since they launched it all of the human interaction that it's having is growing it Mm -hmm. so it's it started out as what they had and what the internet has contributed to it and but now that everybody is interacting with it it's kind of like an exponential growth as to its experiences and it's understanding, or quote, understanding of words and contextual meaning of. At what point, you know, like Jordan Peterson talked about comparing it to uh, an infant child, whether or not an infant has consciousness as far as the understanding of the world and its surroundings. At what point does it right. become conscious? Because you're, it's in, it's getting all of these life experiences. Your parents are talking. Its parents are talking to it, feeding it. Um, it's around everything. I mean, every day is a mass exposure to the world. Yeah. Chat GPT is in its infancy right now. It's being exposed to experiences in the world, and it's learning from it. Now you take that a next step. I mean, that's when you start getting into you know philosophical religious beliefs. And, <laughs> Either way, we, we, we admit that things are going to change. Yeah. <laughs> because things have changed. Things are always changing. I think the biggest side hustle, though, that I've seen, like, blow up that everybody knows about is door dashing. And yeah. some people don't even use it as a side hustle. Some people use that as, like, a full-time job. Right. Because there's no limitations on, like, hours for you to door dash or... There's, like, Uber and stuff, too. DoorDash is just what I have the most experience with. So, like, you can, if you want DoorDash from, like, if there's available time, if you want to DoorDash from 8 a.m. to, like, 10 p.m., you can, and they don't care. So you can make a ton of money. So it just depends. How much effort you want to put into it. Yeah. If you're looking at it, look at that type of work 